Gallant American Women. Women who have helped to develop the American way of life. Daughters of destiny, co-makers of history. Women whose names are written large upon the honor rolls of our nation's great. Women courageous who have served and sacrificed. Pioneered and persevered. Women whose names, deeds, and claims to fame have often been overlooked. This is their story. Three centuries of women whose deeds are rooted deep in our past and whose influence will reach far into the future. The story of the pioneer women of today who are blazing the trails of tomorrow. The United States Department of Education and the National Broadcasting Company take pride in presenting the first chapter in this epic tale of women in the making of America. The story we bring you today tells the part women have played in building our great heritage of freedom. Freedom of worship, freedom of speech, freedom of assembly. Early America itself faced the issue of freedom. Back in 1637, in a little wooden meeting house near Massachusetts Bay, a gray-haired woman, mother of 14 children, faced a council of stern-faced Puritan elders. Anne Hutchinson, you were charged with troubling the peace of this colony on three counts. Firstly, you have held meetings of women in your home, a thing not fitting for your sex. But, Governor, we... Secondly, you have dared to speak to them about religion, a subject reserved for the minds of men. And thirdly... You have expressed opinions contrary to the teachings of our minister. A sin of heresy. I have said only what I think is true. What you think. A woman is not supposed to think, let alone try to teach other women. Then, if it's wrong for me to teach women, why do you call me here to teach the court? Master Hutchinson, have you no power over the unruly tongue of your wife? In all she thinks, in all she says, and in all that she is. She's a dangerous radical. That's what she is. Freedom, heresy. She's a dear saint and a servant of God. Anne Hutchinson, for the last time, I give you a chance to recant. If you refuse, you will be cast out of this colony as Roger Williams was cast out. I shall never recant. I believe that we should all be free to worship as we choose. Evil woman. It is the opinion of this court that for her troublesomeness of spirit and the dangers of her cause, Mistress Anne Hutchinson be banished from the Massachusetts Bay Colony as a woman not fit for our society. If there be any elder present who thinks our sister should not be cast out, let him speak. Then, Reverend Wilson... In the name of the Lord and the church, I do cast you out. I deliver you up to Satan as a heathen and a publican, so to be held by all the brothers and sisters of this congregation. Therefore, I command you, in his name, to withdraw yourself as a leper 
out of this church. Freedom of worship, freedom of assembly, freedom of speech. Into the wilderness went Anne Hutchinson, a refugee in search of these freedoms. And with her went her husband and her followers, about 30 families of them. Southward to the island of Aquidneck, in the tolerant region of Roger Williams' settlement. There, Anne Hutchinson established her colony. And there the citizens voted for the first declaration of absolute religious freedom ever made in America. It is ordered that none shall be counted the delinquent for doctrine. Aquidneck and Providence welcomed refugees of every creed and sect. Hearn the mystic, Doughty the Presbyterian, and a quiet Quaker woman named Mary Dyer. And now to Mary Dyer comes word of danger, new danger to tolerance and freedom. Mary, Mary, Boston has started another war of persecution. Every Quaker who sets foot inside the city is to be punished with death. Death? Aye. They've been lopping off the ears of Quakers and burning their tongues with red-hot irons. And now this. William, I must go to Boston. I must put their bloody law to the test. You? My own dear wife? No. No, Mary. William, thou hast always agreed that I should follow the dictates of my own conscience, even when it bade me leave thy faith and turn Quaker. Now, that conscience bids me to go to Boston. But Mary, those fiends might actually kill you. Perhaps. If they do, that will put an end to persecution. I must defeat their dreadful law. If not by my life, then by my death. Mary Dyer, why did you come into our city of Boston when you knew there was a law banishing Quakers? I come to bear witness, Governor Endicott, to the inner light of God in all men's hearts. You're a cursed doctrine. Why must you bring it here? Why not go into the wilderness to establish your faith? We did that for ours because we loved it better than friends and home and England. All we ask now is that we may keep it pure. We don't desire your death. Your Honor, I object. Reverend Wilson, you may not desire her death, but I, I will carry fire in one hand and faggots in the other to burn all the Quakers in the world. <laughs> Mistress Dyer, have you anything to say before this court passes sentence upon you? I ask that you repeal this dreadful law before it is too late. No, she must die. 
Let us put it to a vote. Is there any man among you who advises clemency because she is a woman? Then, Mary Dyer, hearken to your sentence. You shall be cast into jail tonight. And tomorrow morning, you shall be taken to the Big Elm on Boston Common and hanged until you are dead. Fast to the limb. Mr. Stryer, by coming to Boston, you have broken the law. You are now therefore guilty of your own blood being shed. Nay, I came to save you from guilt. I hope that by looking your law in the face, I might force you to abolish it. Foolish woman, give over your will, and you may yet live. Nay, I cannot. For I came in obedience to the Lord's will. And in his will I stand, even unto death. Let her die. Look how she hangs there. Like a flag. Like a banner of victory. for a spirit of tolerance such as the world had never known before. And when the new nation was being formed, tolerance was written into the Constitution as one of the citizens' inalienable rights. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble. into the laws of our country, another thing to make them live. Other men and women were to carry on the work begun by Roger Williams, Anne Hutchison, and Mary Dyer. Women with men, using the press, speech, and assembly to gain greater freedom for America. 1833. In Philadelphia, far-seeing men have formed the first anti-slavery society. A few weeks later, a Quaker woman named Lucretia Mott calls a band of women together for the same cause. But now, when it comes to conducting the meeting of the female society... I regret to say that since we are women and have never had any experience in parliamentary procedure, we find it necessary to call a man to preside. But I am happy to say that this man, who knows so much more than we do about such matters, should be one of that persecuted race we mean to set free. Mr. James McCrummel. Ah, I thank you, ladies, for this honor. Only one like myself who was born a slave can know what a great honor it is. What a great thing you're doing for my people. May the good Lord bless you for it. 
benevolent. When Lucretia Mott approached them, seeking a meeting place for her anti-slavery society... I'm sorry, Mrs. Mott, but our church cannot sanction a society of females unless it is under the jurisdiction of the male elders. Our church does not approve of this new attitude of the women, this bold freedom, holding meetings and speaking against slavery. Abolition is a dangerous subject. You have none of the substantial citizens behind you. No important names on your list of members. Right principles are stronger than great names. If our principles are right, why should we be cowards? Why should we wait for those who have never had the courage to maintain the inalienable rights of the slave? Women working for freedom, thinking, organizing, writing, speaking. 1835. Again from Boston comes word of danger. Danger to the anti-slavery cause to freedom of speech, to freedom of the press. Today, a mob of rioters broke into a meeting of the Female Anti-Slavery Society in Boston. 8,000 men driving 20 women into the streets. They threatened to tar and feather an abolitionist speaker and to lynch William Lloyd Garrison if he persists in publishing his anti-slavery paper, The Liberator. This time it was a southern woman who stood ready to champion the cause of freedom. Angelina Grimke, daughter of wealthy plantation owners who had freed her own slaves and moved north to join in the struggle. If persecution is the means which God has ordained for the accomplishment of this great end, emancipation, then, in dependence upon him for strength to bear it, I say let it come, for it is my deep, solemn, deliberated conviction that this is a cause worth dying for. That declaration, published in The Liberator, launched Angelina Grimke as a leader in the abolition movement. Soon she was addressing public meetings of men and women, claiming greater freedom of speech than any woman since the birth of the nation. And her persecution came too. Shame upon her speaking aloud before men. She's a menace to public morals. She's just trying to show off. The Bible commands women to be silent. Public platforms ain't no place for a female. She ought to stay to home. public opinion, all were against her. Still, Angelina Grimke kept on speaking while her audience grew. Men came to scoff and stayed to listen. Women stirred with new feeling for freedom and a new pride in their sex. I can't believe that God ever meant woman to be subject to man. This is just another form of slavery. We should be free to speak. I object. This is an abolition meeting. The woman question is irrelevant. Mr. Garrison, I appeal to you. The woman question, so far as it respects her right to speak when her conscience demands it, is not irrelevant, but one that is perfectly proper to discuss in meetings devoted to freedom. And I, for one, am determined But there to were other all... abolitionists who differed from William Lloyd Garrison. Theodore Wells, the one whose opinion Angelina valued most highly... I wish you would drop the woman question, Miss Grimke. If you'd speak only for the Negroes... I'm free to speak of whatever I choose, Mr. Wells. Of course. And by demanding that right, you're helping to establish that freedom. 
Why, you're opening a public platform of our country to the men as well as to the women. Well? Well, but just the fact that you are speaking is revolution enough. Now, if you bring in the woman question... I suppose you believe that women should keep silent. That's not true. It was hearing you speak your very first lecture that made me fall in love with you. Fall in love? Surely you know how I feel. I... I don't suppose this is quite the time to say it when you're so angry. But, Miss Grimke, I should be most honored if you would become my wife. Well, I... Well, Mr. Well... For the first time in my life, I... I don't know what to say. Angelina Grimke and Theodore Wells were married on May 14, 1839. The day of the opening of the new anti-slavery hall in Philadelphia. A hall dedicated to freedom, built by the abolitionists, who had found churches and lecture rooms closed to them. On the opening day... Theodore Wells sent a letter. God grant that your hall may be free indeed. The empty name is everywhere. Free government, free men, free speech, free schools, free churches. Hollow counterfeits all. Free. It is the climax of irony and its million echoes or hisses and jeers. Even from the earth's end. Free. Blot it out. Words are the signs of things. The substance is gone. Let fools and madmen clutch the shadows. Two days later, May 16, 1838, 3,000 people are gathered in the Hall of Freedom to hear speeches by William Lloyd Garrison and Angelita Grimsey Wells. What is the mob? of this entire hall means. Any evidence that we are wrong? No. Doors giving way. If we shrink in this time of peril, we are not fit to fight for freedom. I thank the Lord that the voice of liberty can still be heard above this clamor. On May 17, 1838, three days after its opening, the Hall of Freedom was burned to the ground. And though Angelina Grimke came through the ordeal alive, she was never able again to speak in public. But the voice of liberty could not be stilled. Other women claiming the same freedom of speech took up the cry. In New England, Abby Kelly sacrificing a teaching position to donate her services to the anti-slavery cause. Lecturing to mixed audiences of men and women, stoned, pelted with rotten eggs, attacked by the clergy. Still she spoke. And then, 1851, another woman's rights convention is meeting in a church at Akron, Ohio. Suddenly, a tall, ancient Negro woman marches down the aisle and seats herself on the pulpit steps. For hours she listens, while men argue against women's rights to equality. She sees the woman's cause threatened with defeat, hears members whispering to their chairman. 
Our whole convention is a failure, Mrs. Gage. We can never win against those men's arguments. Women haven't enough intellect to share in the rights of men any more than the Negroes have. If God had meant women to be equal with men, he would have made the savior of women. Look, Mrs. Gage, that old Negro woman, she's coming up on the platform. Don't let her speak. It will ruin us. They are kissing her. Every newspaper in the land will have our cause mixed up with abolition of Negroes. Please, ma'am. Please, ma'am, can I say something? Quiet. Quiet, please. This woman requests your courteous attention and the American privilege of freedom of speech. My name, my name is Sojourner Truth. I didn't have no name of my own, so I done picked that one. Our means to go about our land and sojourn places and tell the truth. And children... Why does so much racket and argifying? There must be something out of kilter. That man over there says, he say women needs to be hipped in the carriages and, and to have the best places ever placed, never was. Nobody ever helps me or gives me the best place. And need our woman. Look at me. Look at my arm, the muscles in it. I can work as well as a man and battle lash as well. I have born with 13 children and see the most all so off to slavery. And when I cried out with my mother's grief, nobody but Jesus heard me. And ain't our woman. Then that man yonder in the back, he talks about this thing in the hay. Uh, what was it he called it? Intellect? Well, what that got to do with women's rights or Negroes' rights? If my cup won't hold but a pint and yawn hold a quart, wouldn't you be mean not to let me have my little half measure full? Then <laughs> that little minister man, he say women can't have as much rights as the men because the Savior ain't a woman. Where did your Savior come from? Where did he come from? From God and a woman. Man didn't have nothing to do with him. You there, that blames all your troubles on Mother Eve. Isn't the fastest woman God ever made was strong enough to turn the world upside down all by herself. And all these here women together ought to be able to turn it right side up again. And now they is asking to do it. The men's better let them. truth save the day for that woman's rights convention. A Negro woman using her freedom of speech to gain greater liberty for all women. We have come a long way since that day in 1637 when Anne Hutchinson was driven from Massachusetts Bay for claiming freedom of speech, assembly and worship. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press, or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Nineteen 
In a little Midwestern town, a country storekeeper leans across the counter to greet a customer. Morning, Mrs. Klein. Mighty nice day we have. Yeah, sure. Always it is a nice day here in America. And always you talk like a good friend to me. Oh, you are so kind. <laughs> Shucks, that ain't nothing. All the folks here about is friendly-like once you get to know them. You and Mr. Klein ought to drop around the forum tonight. Get acquainted. Forum? What is that? What is that forum? It's a meeting. Down at the schoolhouse. Teacher fellow from government takes charge. We all talk things over. The arms and bongo and taxes and things like that. And all people can come? It does not matter what... What religion we are? What religion got to do with it? This ain't no revival meeting. It's a forum to discuss important questions. And the women? They can come and talk too? Too? <laughs> I'd like to see anybody try to stop them. Why, my wife is one of the talkingest people there. She says that the only way we can hang out of these freedoms we've got is by using them. Oh, so. Well, she sure uses that one. <laughs> you know how it is. Tie a woman's tongue in the middle and it wags at both ends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're so happy, you Americans. Always you laugh and, and make jokes. Well, I reckon we ain't got much to kick about. Even if the government does tax the hide off and it's sometimes. Oh, no, no, no. No, you must not say such things. Why? What's the matter? Maybe someone should hear you talk against the government. Say, I guess you forget you're living in the USA. We can use our freedom of speech so long as we don't abuse it. Why, shucks. <laughs> I'd say the same thing to the president if I met him on the street. You... you would? Sure thing. Say, you'd better drop around to that forum. Learn what a free country is. A free country? Oh, I cannot believe it. Oh, this America. Everybody here is so good to us. So kind. Maybe someday we, we can do something to thank this great, big, free America. I, I am so happy. I... <laughs> Nineteen thirty-nine, world torn between peace and war. Again to America comes word of danger, danger to life, happiness, and civil liberties. And again, men and women rally to defend the cause of freedom. What can we do? They ask to save the world from war and maintain these freedoms. And from one of today's gallant American women comes the answer: from the first lady of our land. To quote from my day by Eleanor Roosevelt. We must use our American birthright for freedom and liberty to preserve those things at home which make for peace abroad. We must make democracy work. We must demonstrate that men and women can be trusted to use their freedoms for the good of their country. This is as much a war for the control of ideas as for the control of material resources. We must preserve the ideas and ideals upon which our forefathers founded this nation. You have heard the first of a series of programs entitled Gallant American Women. Next week's program will tell of women and peace. And now for an important announcement. 
With the cooperation of the Columbia University Press, we are prepared to send you booklets containing a complete reproduction of today's broadcast. To receive this important booklet, simply send 10 cents to Gallant American Women, Washington, D.C. May I repeat that address? Gallant American Women, Washington, D.C. Simply enclose 10 cents to cover cost of handling and mailing and a note saying, please send me the Gallant American Women publication, These Freedoms. Gallant American Women, an NBC public service feature, is a series of radio dramatizations prepared and presented by the United States Office of Education with the cooperation of the Women's Division of NBC and with the assistance of the Works Projects Administration. Script by Jane Ashman, Program Supervisor Eva Hansel, Research Counselor Mary Beard. Original music by Rudolf Schramm. This is the National Broadcasting Company.